we're about to get married, I suddenly was faced with the internal question of, why am I doing this? It, it didn't really work the first time. I don't know that I believe in marriage. Mm. We have such a great relationship as it is right now. Mm. Is this going to change the dy dynamics such that it's going to ruin things? Mm. You know, and I could see that, well, her, her mother really wants us to get married. I really want to have children. And that's not going to happen until we get married, as you know, announced by my wife and her, and her mother. And so I'm doing this for them. But where am I in this? Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men This Way. What should a man be teaching his children in today's chaotic, confusing, rapidly changing world? What do you do when you keep trying and pushing to solve an important problem, yet it just won't budge? What's the difference between commitment and devotion in relationship? In this episode, my guest Mickey Willis and I give you useful insight to these questions and more. Mickey is an award-winning filmmaker, cinematographer, storyteller, and is regarded as a pioneer in the world of transformative media. The founder of Elevate Films, Mickey and his film crews have produced over 400 productions, including network TV shows, movies, commercials, and music videos for multi-platinum artists from the Black Eyed Peas to Alanis Morissette. Mickey was also in New York, inside the Twin Towers on the morning of September 11th, 2001, just hours before they went down. And he stayed for three days after to help conduct search and rescue efforts. I first met Mickey in 2011 when I was managing music band Here to Hear, and we performed one evening at an event at Elevate Mansion in Ojai, California, where Mickey and his crew were both living and making movie magic. It was an unforgettable evening. A few months later, in fact, I went to Mickey's mansion for Thanksgiving dinner, figuring I'd stay a few hours, but I didn't end up leaving for four days. I think Mickey's mansion was Hotel California, because nothing in me wanted to leave his enchanted world. And it was the last time I went to dinner anywhere in California without at least one change of underwear in the car. Since then, Mickey has taught me personally and the world through his short videos he regularly posts on Facebook with his two young sons and lovely wife, Nadia, about how to create a beautiful, thriving relationship and family. You've probably seen the one where his son, all bright-eyed and smiley, proudly holds up the Barbie doll he just came home with from the toy store. Yeah, that video went viral with something like a bazillion views. Mickey and his family recently lost their home in a massive California wildfire, an excruciating experience he still somehow managed to recreate as an inspiration for millions. Be sure to stay tuned for Mickey's five key takeaways at the end. All right, let's dive. Mickey Willis, what's up, brother? So good to have you on Men This Way. 
great to be here. Thanks so, for inviting me, Brian. I mean, we've known each other. It goes back years now. You're, you're a man that I've, I've looked up to ever since you first came into my awareness, um, meeting you up in Ojai, California, way back in the day when you were living in the, the big, the big mansion with the whole community. Remember those days? I do. I'll never forget. <laughs> and I know, Mickey, that you have been on, wow, what a journey. Man, just since then, I mean, never mind, before then, you're doing a lot of videos these days, really sharing your family experience as a father to two sons and husband to a beautiful, brilliant woman. I want to just ask you, what is the funnest part about being that man, you know, in, that, in those roles, dad to two sons and husband to a brilliant, beautiful woman? Watching her try to juggle three of me now, because <laughs> my sons are just... Slices of me, so now she's got to deal with all three of us, um, and she does quite well, which is uh, no surprise at all. Because as as you mentioned, my wife is pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. She's now working on a whole brand around her her teachings for motherhood called Ninja Mom, and wow. that pretty much sums up what she is and who she is. Um, I like that better than Tiger Mom. Yeah, I do too. Ninja I do too. Mom. Yeah, yeah or, or Cougar Mom. I like it a lot better than that. Uh huh. Yeah, Ninja Mom. <laughs> Um, but, uh, the, the funnest thing, you know, it, it's honestly, Brian, it's almost all of it's fun. Mm. And I, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. I was up most of the night last night. So was my ninja mom wife, Nadia mm. with our four-year-old throwing up mm. on, Were all of on you, our, all of you were on throwing our up? beds, on our beds. <laughs> he made sure to spread it out oh. evenly. Yeah. And those are the moments that you can say, well, yeah. this, this is not ideal. My initial response was kind of an old um, pattern, an old default fault to like, you know, I'm carrying him to the bathroom as he's throwing up all over mm. me, you know, and uh, started to go to that place of no, no, no resistance. God dang it. What's mm. happening? Yeah. And um, my wife kind of enters the scene with her calm demeanor and okay, okay, we, oh, okay, mm. we can get this. I just get the, could you get me the towel and can you, and she does her thing and I just immediately just calm down and we made the best of it. Mm. And I'm so glad that we did because after it was over, um, I come to the bedroom and my four year old sitting there wrapped in a towel and we had to put him in the shower and, and he's crying. And I said, what's up buddy? And he goes, I'm feeling disappointed with myself. Wow. And I said, what's why? He goes, Cause <laughs> I, I think, you know, I think I did something wrong, you know, mm. and it was, it was an awesome opportunity to, you know, to say, no, mm. this is this is this is life, buddy, and mm. this is we're we're in this with you through all of this. And if you ever see us react, it's only because we're reaction. But the truth is, is that we're here to you know to be with you through through all of this. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. What are you intentionally teaching your mm -hmm. boys? Mm. I am doing my best to teach my boys to be prepared prepared for the reality of life. Mm. Because we are, in case you had noticed, we are in some very precarious times, socially, economically, politically, all of it. And climate-wise as well. I mean, you guys even lost your home in the Thomas Fire. California. One year ago, last week, yeah, we lost our home, our studio, our car, and everything we own. Yeah. And so it's been a year of rebuilding from the ground up, which I haven't had a chance to do since I was a teenager. You know, kind of start at that fresh stage mm. of like, you know, like, what am I into now? What kind of couches would we rebuy? What do we, it's mm -hmm. all fresh. It's like the first apartment you <laughs> get when you're, you know, 18 years old or mm -hmm. something like that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and my kids have been right there through the whole thing and have been incredible teachers throughout the, the situation because they're not as attached to any of the material items um, in the way that perhaps my wife and I were. They didn't have the sentimental attachment to the cabinet from mm. India or, or, you know, whatever, the, 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 the suit that I loved or the watch or the whatever. You know, they didn't, yeah. none of that mattered to them. So to them, it was just stuff. Yeah. which is all it really is. Um, but it's, it's allowed me to broaden my teachings with them to, to really include stuff that I probably wouldn't have gotten to, you know, they're four and seven. Mm. And, but to really have high-level conversations about the material world and kind of the illusion of the, this <clears throat> hypnotic effect that the media has on all of us to become these kind of consumer puppets, you know, and mm. and buy and purchase and and to to build our identities around the way we look and what we drive and what we wear. And it's been an incredible opportunity to begin already to instill in them to look for the essence of the person, mm. be, in, be in relationship with not the coolness of your friends, but but with who they are, you know, not with, you know, any of the styles that they adapt to because they're the popular ones in school yeah. but but look out for the kids that are authentic and real and, and so we've had some incredible yeah. conversations and when when you say prepare them for the realities of life you know i i once told uh, actually uh sylvie my partner i on our first date i didn't remember that i told her this but on our first date i told her one of my foundational beliefs of, of what and i'm not a father yet we have a puppy right but i i'm, I'm excited to be be a dad soon um, one of my beliefs about uh, a father's role is to is really to be teaching his children how to survive without him, how to get yeah. by in the world and be strong in, in, in the world without him. Yeah. And when you are teaching teaching your children to 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 face the realities, what do you mean by that? Like, what are you actually teaching them? Yeah, I'll that? give an example. So we're we're going through a process right now that I'm calling bullyproof. Mm. I'm teaching them to be bullyproof. And so it's advancing as they get a little bit older to understand I'm actually starting to now implement and teach them words that will likely be used against them as they get into mm. junior high and high school. Mm. And it could happen a lot sooner. Um, my seven-year-old's, you know, seven and a half and he's eight and the kids are starting to use a lot of words and experiment with their language. And, mm. and so we talk a lot about, you know, they're very sensitive, loving boys. And we live in what would be kind of known as a, a as a kind of a spiritual valley. The community that we live in yeah. is kind of where people come to do yoga and meditate and all of that. And in my observation, a lot of the other kids that were were born and raised here, some of them, they're all have incredibly beautiful value to them. And some of them that I know of even as adults now, uh, I wouldn't say that they're incredibly prepared for the world. They try to avoid everything that's going on out there and they just kind of I see them wanting to stay in the bubble of Ojai and I, and I, I would choose for my kids to, to have the courage and the, and, and the, the drive to do either to stay and be simple men if that's what they choose and, 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 or to be entrepreneurs and, and travel the world or, or, or adventurous in whatever way that might look for them. Um, and so one thing we're working on right now is, is, is being bullyproof, you know, because um, it, the, the young one, is learning a lot earlier just because they're two and a half years apart and he and he's wants to be involved in everything his big brother's doing. They're incredibly close. You know, I've been gauging whether or not it, uh, this, you know, is this okay for him at this age? But 
but he's just he's picking up so so quickly that mm. he's he's getting it and so we're working actually on understanding that only hurt people hurt people mm-hmm. and and that it's never really about them and i I've, I've been introducing these the words to them that will likely be used against them from ugly to stupid to you know use your imagination yeah you know wow. and and preparing them for those moments when that inevitably will take place mm. so they can actually place their energy on the other person with compassion wow and understand that this yeah. person is somehow hurting yeah um and perhaps you know the only reason to look inward is to is to explore the possibilities that you know what may i have done to cause this person's anger this way and 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 i'm teaching them how to actually take responsibility for their behavior and clean it up yeah yeah wow man that's one way i'm so excited for your boys to be men (laughs) i am too but not too fast please (laughs) you know and and i'm aware that we could make this whole conversation about you as a dad i want to do that and i don't want to do that because i want to i want to explore you as a man also which includes dad but and, and, and so much more at the same time. And, and so I'd love to let's start with a question asking you about a significant event or experience in your early life that played a fundamental role in shaping you as a man. Yeah, there's been a lot of them. I would say the, which felt like a, a curse in the beginning, which yeah. turned out to be a blessing. Yeah. I, I was raised with a single mother who had ar- already raised three other children. They were in their teens by the time I came along and I was an accident mm. for lack of a better term. And so there was a, a and what ap- could appear to be an, an, a not so ideal situation turned out to be a, a big blessing for me because mm. it, it created the environment of a mother who was, had already was going through her experience of working with teenagers and realizing that there, there are many things that they just need to experience, whether the parent grants them permission or not. So she gave me a lot of freedom to explore. What that did for me, the fact that I had permission to do a lot of these things, as a young teenager, if my friends and I were curious about drinking, she'd go buy us a 12-pack of beer Mm. and say, stay home and be safe. Mm. And so by the time I got in high school and all my friends were going out to Kagers or whatever, I wasn't interested. I I kind of already explored Mm. that. Because I had permission, that rebellion factor (laughs) wasn't as exciting. Mm. And so there was something really wonderful about that. And I'm I'm doing my best to, to... offer that to my to my children in that way but my mother did have a a, a boyfriend for uh, a number of years there was one lesson that he taught me i didn't realize how brilliant this man was mm. i always loved him mm. um he was kind of in and out of her life so that wasn't steady enough for me to really call him a, a stepdad or anything like that he was my mom's boyfriend mm. he was a very smart man and he was also a very humble quiet man so he didn't say a lot i had to get older to look back and realize how much he was teaching me because mm-hmm. he did it kind of like Mr. Miyagi mm. I love in the Mr. way Miyagi. that, Oh, me too. <laughs> some of the, some of the best teachings ever. Yeah. And so here's a Mr. Miyagi lesson yeah. that he taught me. I was really into bicycles when I, when I was young, I raced bicycle motocross and then on to motocross later. But I was um, one day trying to take the pedal off of my bicycle. I had always learned. I was mechanically inclined. I loved working with my hands. I kind of had to do it myself because I didn't have a father to teach me that. So Mm -hmm. I learned a lot of skills by myself. And I was always taught lefty, loosey, righty, tidy. Mm -hmm. And that is the direction in which a bolt comes off and on. And we're all, most men are taught that somewhere in their life. And so I was trying to get the pedal off. 
and I was I had WD-40 spraying on it, and I had a pole over the wrench, and I was jumping on it and doing everything I could. And finally, my mom came out. She said, I, you know, because I was about, cr- about to cry, and she said, what's going on, sweetheart? And I said, I just can't get this pedal off. And she yelled in for her boyfriend. His name is Teton. He was mm. born in Wyoming by the Teton uh, Mountains. Mm. And he came out, and he stood there like this, and he said, show me what you're doing. Mm. And I showed him, and he said, you think maybe there's another way to do it? <laughs> and, and, I said, and I told him, I was like at that point almost crying, right? I said, yeah. I'm jumping up and down. I'm spraying this yeah. thing for an hour. <laughs> I can't get it off. My mom finally said, you know, she didn't get him. She didn't really fully get him either. She yeah. goes, stop being an asshole and help yeah. the kid, please. <laughs> and so he came over and he goes, Shh. and he looks at me and he goes, sometimes the answer is the opposite of what you've been taught. Mm. And he walks into the house. <laughs> and, and man, I, I can't tell you how much that shaped my, my uh, life, you know, because wow. yeah. so many things come up. Yeah. And, and it's a simple thing, yeah. but it's just like, maybe it's the other direction. Wow. Because pedals are threaded in the opposite direction. For uh, those of you who don't know that, it's one of the few things that, yeah. are, that have to be, or they'll come off when you pedal. Yeah. And uh, so that, that's, you know. That was a big one. I love that story because, you know, in the work that I do, a lot of my work is with couples and and, and really, you know, as a man myself, helping men make sense of what seems completely insensible in relationships in particular. And, you know, sometimes the opposite of what you have been taught and are sure, you know, that I've been there so many times and, and, and. You know, we're just trying harder, harder, harder to get my partner to see what I want her to see and to, if you just see it this way, we'll, everything will be, we'll be free and, and the upset will go away. And, and it always has the opposite effect. Yes. So I love that lesson just in a bicycle pedal. <laughs> I think about it every time I get on a bike. Oh man, I think I'm going to think about that every time I have a conversation with my fiance, with my partner, is when I'm going which, to think. Which about, way are you pedaling? Which? One, oh, I think. Wait a second. This goes the other way. Oh, okay. This is the listening yeah. moment, not a solving moment. Which might look like, and I'm, as you're saying this, I'm kind of reflecting on a moment that my wife and I had yesterday. As you know, I've told you before because we've been friends for years. Yeah. It's it, it continues to this day. By the way, my my wife and I. Been, we've been together for 16 years and we've never had an actual fight. And But yesterday we got into a really good argument. <laughs> um, and it was just this simple thing of, I, I, no, I did. I told you to, I told you that was the case. Mm. No, you didn't. That's not what you said. Mm. Yes, yes, I said it clearly. Mm. No, you didn't say it clearly. Mm. It, you know, it was about like this, but it was back and forth enough yeah. that I should have in that moment just yeah. gone, it's very possible what you're saying is true and I'm, and I'm sorry. I, I didn't, maybe I wasn't listening. Yeah. You know, but it was a, both of us standing in the position of, no, I'm definitely right, and she's definitely right, and from there, you don't go anywhere. And and ju- I love the, the way you even just languaged it. It's very possible that what you're saying is true. Yes. Because that, that's a bridge. Those are bridging words, because it's not giving up your version of what happened, but yeah. and, and it's acknowledging that, you know what? I might not know. I might not have it perfect. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because it's you know you don't want to be inauthentic to say, okay, I, I wasn't listening exactly. to you. Because the truth, truthfully inside, I feel like I I did hear her. Yeah. And so, but what matters really is moving past that moment, which does us no good, into 
you know, the acceptance of either this is going to become one of those little bricks in the wall of resentment. Yeah. Or one of us just has to give it up. Yeah. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, you're, you're using connecting language. And I think yeah. that that's something that I said, I don't want to ask you about uh, this in the context of relationship, but I, I see that so often. And it's been my lifelong struggle being in the military myself and mm-hmm. growing up oh, on the right. East Coast and, and really having connection taught, trained out of me, connection to my own body, never mind connection to someone else, mm-hmm. you know, living mm-hmm. completely neck up and, and, you know, falling on the, the sword of truth. And righteousness. I, I, I'm I'm reminding myself constantly, and also the, the the men and the couples I work with. If you can just create connection, you can get through anything together. It's true. Just in that, and you that that that's so beautiful. So any men listening, just that language that Mickey just just spoke. It's very possible that what you're saying is true. It's just connecting language. And then it's really about you know what are our highest values is my highest value winning this argument or is my highest value having a good relationship with my wife? Yeah. We are really programmed to win. Yeah. And so it's a tough battle sometimes just to get off of it, to give it up. I'm really good at debating. Yeah. I could, I could win this conversation. <laughs> I could actually prove yeah. my point. Yeah. What's that going to cause in the end of the day? Is she yeah. going to feel better about herself? Yeah. Is that going to make her love me more to, to prove that she's wrong? Or is it is it just a higher choice just to just to place my highest value a good relationship yeah. and just to come back into it's very possible that that I, I misheard that and I wasn't yeah. paying attention. The bottom line is I love you and and let's move on. Yeah. So and let's stay here for a moment. So what do you think that men really need to know and learn to create a truly fulfilling intimate relationship? Well, we're all still learning. You know, so I, I just want to make that clear because I, I never like to take the position as the teacher, the person who knows it. You know, I can just share my experience uh, and what's working for me in my life. And I can say that I am in a relationship that really works. It works in, in all aspects of our lives together. We have a great balance of taking care of our children, great balance of chores, of responsibilities, of earning money. All of that is, is there's a beautiful balance to it. And I do what I'm best at and she does what she's best at. But in answer to your question to really, you know, if there was and is a formula to attracting and being in, sustaining, generating a healthy relationship, for me, it required doing inner work that I needed to do because it's less about making the relationship work as it is about making our individual beings work and then bringing those two complete functioning beings together. And so a lot of times people will get together and I, and I understand there's a sense of me that feels like my, my, my wife completes me, you know, and I don't think that'll ever go away. And some Mm -hmm. people people say that's bad and I have no problem with that. Mm -hmm. But I also understand the flip side of that, like to, to a certain degree, we have to be whole and complete on our own. For me, it was being willing to unlearn and relearn just about everything I was taught about being a man. One of the many blessings that I gleaned from being raised with a single mother, two sisters and a gay brother, mm. was a, a, a sensitive perspective of the feminine. That I, I'm grateful for because 
while I have definitely been through patterns of where testosterone has taken over and I and I've been through all of the pitfalls that men can fall into wanting to conquer women wanting to be with more than one woman wanting to having the challenges of being loyal all of that I've been yeah. through all of that stuff within every man there's there's a a a degree of feminine and that's just scientific and I think you know for men to get in touch with what that means that doesn't mean you're part woman. It means the essence of what it is to be a woman is we have that within our genes. Mm -hmm. and, and it's the nurturing side. And so for me, it was getting out of the trap of I'm the provider. My wife is a nurturer. And being nurturing, being a nurturer mm -hmm. to my wife, to myself, mm -hmm. to my children, mm -hmm. Knowing that the archetype that works for me, because in many ways, I'm also an alpha male. And so it's having both of those. It's not being emasculated, because I think that's a major issue that hopefully we can dig into a little bit in this call, where we start to then adapt the feminine qualities and or just resign and let, let them drive the will. And we just kind of sit back and earn the money and watch the football and whatever. You know, we just kind of resign from it, where we have an active role in the lives of our family and we hold that ground i am both strong and strict and very giving liberal soft sensitive and i and i bring that to my boys pretty much at all times there's a time like last night was a time for me just to be soft and sensitive and caring and but i've realized having two boys we tried in the beginning to we read all the books for conscious parenting and all that. And we ended up throwing most of them out and only mm. keeping what worked because I realized my boys required what I would refer to as kind of like an, an old school's upbringing, you know, which was much more of me to step back into kind of like a traditional figure mm. of the, the buck stops here mm -hmm. and you will not run the house that way. Mm. And we're best friends and I love you and I'll give you everything you need and, and you know, don't cross that line at the same time. And what I learned was my boys needed that. Yeah. They needed that security. Our relationship is so good because they feel safe yeah. in our home, knowing that their father will stand up if I have to. Yeah. Something that's that's already emerging through these conversations, um, you know, yeah. this podcast is and something that I've been exploring for for a number of years, again, in my own just my own life and, and but also through my my coaching work and working with couples in particular in relationships and is is paradox. The embracing mm -hmm. of paradox. And in an interview I did uh, just yesterday with Steve James, who's a uh, uh, been meditating and he's a teacher in, in the relational space. And we talked about the intersection of, of ruthlessness and gentleness Yes, as a way of, of, of living and being. And I love how you're talking about it in terms of, of parenting. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as I'm reflecting on, you know, it's so it's fascinating. You know, I also grew up with mostly a single mother and, and a stepfather who came along at some point and, and three sisters. <laughs> you know, half step and whole, you know, but all, all women. But what I noticed is that I didn't get a lot of comfort. I grew up with a really healthy respect for women thinking, wow, how come women aren't running more shit? Because they do a really good job. And, you know, I was looking at the men out there kind of running the world and I was like, God, I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm not really liking what I'm seeing. So I grew up with that appreciation and respect. And, but I realized as I've grown older, I didn't really get a lot of comfort, emotional comfort. And I see this extreme. We men either we get, um, we, we just don't get comfort from our dads or our moms for that matter, or we get comfort that is so babying that we don't grow up. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you know what, when you say being nurturing, what I'm hearing is, is really being comforting to mm-hmm. your sons while also though holding that paradox of, of, of knowing that they can't, they can't fuck with you either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you are, oh, we, can, we can drop F-bombs. Oh, awesome. I've been <laughs> oh, holding back. Okay, good. No, 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 man. <laughs> All right. One of my favorite words. <laughs> yeah. So I think that, you know, that is truly where I think masterful living is, is, is in that learning how to embrace and live as paradox. And, and so I so appreciate you, you, you sharing that as a father. I've heard this. There's a million ways we could say this, but, you know, fathers will save the world by just staying and, 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 and loving their children, but, mm-hmm. but also loving with, with that fierceness also. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes I just want to clarify that nurturing can look just like being present. It doesn't always mean comforting. It doesn't always mean cradling, coddling. It doesn't mean that. Sometimes what my, I find my boys need and my wife needs is my, is my undivided presence mm-hmm. where I'm authentically interested in what they have to share. One of the first things we do when we, I, when I pick up my kids from school is we, we talk about what they learned new, what their experience was. At the end of each night, we say, what was your favorite moment of the day? And it's, it's so that we're always sharing ourselves. And I want them to learn that emotional literacy of sharing. Mm-hmm. And I listen very, very carefully and, and respond to them so that they get my attention that way. Because that is, I mean, we are pleasure-seeking, attention-seeking creatures. Mm-hmm. And there are reasons for that. There, there are benevolent reasons that we actually need to be witnessed by each other. You know, I won't go way off into the woo-woo, but I believe strongly that it's like we, we are here to, you know, we're cells in, in, in the body of one organism. Mm-hmm. And we're living in this illusion of being completely individual and separate. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to realize that we're actually part of one organism together. Mm-hmm. And when we recognize each other, it, it almost like brings life to that cell and that organism gets healthier. Mm-hmm. So there, there are real scientific reasons of uh, why we do seek the attention that we seek and and. And like anything, you know, it, it can go the wrong direction where we're seeking attention for the wrong reasons and in the wrong way. And, and that lessens, I've found, when we're actually giving it freely. Yeah. So many people get into the wrong relationships because, you know, I have, a, I have a friend of mine, a female friend of mine, who dresses and behaves in a way that attracts exactly the kind of men she doesn't want. Mm. But the way she dresses and behaves gets her a lot of attention. But then she ends up with the wrong relationship. And watching her realize that and getting that that, that instantaneous attention, that, that void she's trying to fill by getting men to, to holler at her as she walks down the street, she doesn't really want that. Mm. And so now it's about, you know, she's learning to go after what she's actually wanting and looking for which is, is, is a much deeper and authentic thing. Mm-hmm. But that's just one example of how sometimes our, our attention-seeking can, can lead us down the wrong path. But if we, if we don't deprive our children and our mates and each other and ourselves of that, those intimate moments where we're just engaged with each other, 
Yeah. You know, um, then that thing gets fulfilled, whatever that thing is. Yeah. I, I think it's, it might be worth clarifying too. Like, you know, one thing a man might do f- to attention seek is, you know, like wear those giant watches. Uh-huh. You know, man, we like to wear big fat watches. I have a watch that it's beautiful and it's giant and the batteries haven't been changed for 10 years. <laughs> so it doesn't even work. It doesn't even work, <laughs> but sometimes I'll wear it when I want to, send a certain signal, a certain message. But, you know, like right now, you know, we're on, we're on, we're actually on video and I'm not wearing any watches. I never wear those things. And so, but sometimes I will when I'm going into a certain situation because I'm intentionally wanting to signal something. Um, but I'm not doing it. Um, you know, I don't wear that watch, for example. Uh, there's nothing wrong with wearing a big fat watch. If it pleases you, wear it. And, and, and but it's it's like the come from what I'm coming at is getting at yeah. is it's the come from. Are you wearing it because you feel lonely and empty and you're uh, afraid of of being with yourself? Huh? Or are you wearing it because it's a it's a pleasure and it's a joy? Like I want to I want my next car is a Maserati. Yeah. And I'm not getting it. I'm not going to take photos and put it on Instagram so everyone can see what a rich coach I am and I'll make yes, them want to work. Well, I'm going to take pictures of it, but not for that reason. Okay. <laughs> Knowing, though, that will be a side effect of that. But I'm getting it because the 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 feel of the engine, you know, the the sensual yeah, experience it. of driving a Maserati is just enlivening and lovely. Uh-huh. So it's a totally – I just want to – because I think I could – you know, some women listening, I'm sensitive to that that aspect of, well, you know, it's not – it's not – it's not – her fault that men are whistling at her. She wear what she wants to wear. Uh-huh. And I think I just wanted to emphasize what you're pointing at. It's the come from. It, it is totally the come from. I'm, I'm at all being the opposite of sexist. When I say that it's, it's, I it's, a, I believe we cannot, we shall dress and be however we choose to be. Um, but it was her realizing exactly why she was doing it. And that it was actually bringing her the results in her life that she didn't choose. And understanding the correlation between behavior and results is a very important thing. And I'd, I'd love to go back for a second um, and ask you, when you wear that big, fat, non-working watch, <laughs> wh- what, what is it that you think that that's um, going to bring, or unconsciously or consciously? Uh I, I'm aware that I'm living in the in a world of, as you said, I don't know if you said this exactly, but we're we're all meaning making machines. Yeah. And I know that. Well, first off, it is a really beautiful watch. You've never seen a watch like this. This is actually my family's. This is my family's uh-huh. company. It was a big. It was a. It was a wonderful thing. So sometimes I wear that watch because it, it's a persona. It's like I'm putting on a a persona of sorts. I'm still bringing uh-huh. my true self, but yeah. I'm 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 putting on a costume. It's a costume. Yeah. It's like I'm yeah. wearing a costume. And I know that people are constantly judging me. Uh-huh. They're, they're, we're constantly judging each other. Yeah. And rather than uh, reject that and be upset about that as I used to be, that's one thing that blogging has really done so well for me is 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 I've gotten, you know, I, I get so many thank yous and you're uh-huh. amazing, but I also get the fuck yous. That's the worst <laughs> thing I've ever read in my life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's so, yeah, it's, I, I get it. It's been so liberating to have that experience. So, I wear that watch sometimes as a, of course, sure. There's a part of me that's like, okay, if I do this, then, you know, there's the the plotting strategizing part of me that is, it'll, it'll make me look like I have status. It'll make me, of course, you know, I have that aspect in me too, for sure. But I'm, I'm 
I'm at least aware enough, not that that doesn't sometimes bite me in the ass, but I'm aware enough that yeah. it's just all a play. It's a costume. Yeah. And it will have consequences, and we never know what the if the consequences are going to be good, bad, this, that. It's just, yeah. it's all a play. Well, there's a reason I asked you that, because I found that those things can be really great mile markers for the next road of my inner work. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. So if I find myself doing something like that, which I have all my little crazy things that I do, <laughs> but if I look at that and go, this damn watch doesn't even work. Why do I put this on when I go to these kind of events here? What is it that I'm hoping that this watch yeah. will enhance within my presentation, yeah. right? Yeah. And if I find that it's like power, I want to look, I want to look like I have money and power. Yeah. Then I know there's the reverse of that is there's a part of me, an aspect of me that doesn't feel that I do. Absolutely. And that that gives me a place to look yeah. for like, I wonder wonder what created that in my world. I, I wonder what has me feeling like I need to appear more powerful to get what I want in life. And what kind of work would I have to do to come to a place where I can just be with my power Yeah, and recognize it? Self-awareness. Yeah. I think that's the, the greatest gift of, of meditation, of a meditative practice. And I don't just mean sitting on the floor and not moving, you know, and quieting mm -hmm. your thoughts and all that, but just a, you know, just being, being self-reflective in your life. And, and by the way, being in relationship is a great way to call attention to, <laughs> to all the things that you might not be looking at. Mm -hmm. um, Wait and, till you have children. <laughs> and engaging in conversations like this one that you and I are talking about yeah. right now, you know, having one of the one of the precepts that I work with is the importance of brotherhood and being surrounded by men who can reflect back to you the things, again, with respect and kindness, um, but also fierceness can reflect yeah. back to you the things that you may not be looking at and paying attention to. And, and just like mm -hmm. that, that watch example, self-awareness is access to to true power. Because yeah. we stop selling ourselves out mm -hmm. in all these ways and playing small. And, and, and it's like you said, you know, wearing the big fat watch, if I'm wearing it because it's going to make me look more powerful or this, all I'm doing is perpetuating an experience of me not feeling powerful. Yeah, ultimately. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah, so unconsciously, you know what's up. <laughs> exactly. I want to ask you, because you're, you're, so in, you're so richly interwoven with your family, your family life, and you're, you're busy. You've, you're working a lot. You're making films and you're a director. How do you navigate the tension between your being, being present with your work? Now, this is, this is a problem a lot of men really are faced with. You know, I, I, Mission Impossible, those movies. I remember watching the last Mission Impossible movie. Tom Cruise in that franchise, Tom Cruise has to make a choice. And the choice is either be married or save the world. Huh. He can't do both. Mm. That's in the last one that is explicitly called out that he has a wife that he can't, that he loves more than anything except saving the world. He actually loves that more than the wife. <laughs> he has to choose. And it's a movie, but yet it's played out. And, you know, we men, I think we live that. How do I, you know, be true to myself, be true, uh -huh. be true to the truth? Be true to my work. Do you know? Follow my what I'm called, and still know that there's a woman or there's children who seem to need something from me. Or how do uh -huh. you navigate that? Well, I think it shifts. If, if I were Tom Cruise, I would realize that um, <laughs> I, I can I can do both. I can save my mm. world, mm. 
And so my world is my family. Mm. And so my attention, I still do a lot of, you know, you know, the, the foundation of, of our work. We, we run a media company that focuses on making the world a better place, telling the truth, spotlighting things that people need to know about and all the cures and medicines and, and you know, new yeah. mythologies that actually support us to evolve. And but my family comes first. Mm. And I think that that's a, a very important thing for men to adapt to. If we don't feel that we have purpose, and that, so this is where the family unit has to work together. And women have to um, nurture the men, their husbands, so that, the, so that they can be aware that if the men are not given responsibilities, if they don't have a job with their children, and if that job is only providing a roof over the head, then the men will work themselves into the grave. And they will do just that. They will earn money to keep the roof over the head, to keep the food in the refrigerator, to pay the bills, and they won't be as present as they need to be for the children and for the wife. When men are given that permission, and sometimes we need our, our, our women that my, one of my greatest teachers is my wife. I mm. just have an incredible woman mm. who teaches me all, all day long. It's one thing to say, hey, I'm doing all the work. I need you to take some of the work, some of the workload. It's another thing to approach somebody from a place of, we actually need you. Like, you're necessary here. Your presence in what we're doing as these boys are being raised, these children are, are, are growing, is, is incredibly necessary. It's necessary... I, I always um, liken it to the sun and the moon. And it's no coincidence that they call Mother Moon and mm. Father Sun. Mm. And our planet, all living life, requires a balance of those two. And they work in, in ver very, very different ways. They provide very different energies. But they're consistent. If one of them is not consistent, our planet will die. We need both. It's the men also working with the women, and this, this happens in both directions. I, I just had an experience recently. I was working to build a film, and, and I was working with some producers that I really love, and they were kind of like, oh, yeah, we don't, we're really kind of good here. Like, we really don't need that much help. And, and it kind of felt like I find myself kind of like just retreating. And, and not bringing what I usually bring to a project because their invitation wasn't like, we really need you and be part of this. The invitation was more like, we're good. And I ended up talking uh, you know, about it later. We got it cleaned up so that we can come in. Like, I, you know, it's like we need to have dynamic roles in the production of this. Otherwise, we need to be very authentic about why, why we're even here. Mm. If I'm not needed, mm -hmm. then I'm going to go where I am needed. And, and so let's find the boundaries and the guidelines and, and the value that each of us bring and the same way within a, a, a relationship. We have to remember the, uh, uh, the emotional, intimate roles that we're both to play. And if any one of us lose that purpose, we will. We'll, we'll detach from it. And yeah. we become like so many dads where they're just not present. You don't get, you know, how many friends I have that never heard I love you from their father. Yeah. You know, and I, I can't, I, I tell my kids multiple times a day how much I love them. I can't imagine how, you know, but that's, that gets passed on through the lineage. It's no big, you know, shame on the fathers or anything like that. It's, it's, we haven't been taught yeah. how important that is, how, how important acknowledgement is. No matter how much we're, our ego's in check, 
we actually need to be acknowledged for the things that we do, not just reprimanded for the things we do wrong, but acknowledged at each milestone and not to the point of where, where our acknowledgement comes so easy that, that it becomes meaningless. And I love you becomes just like a, hi, how you doing? But that we feel it and we say it when we mean it and we mean it when we say it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you told me, I've shared this story with, with, with many people over the years. Since you, you told me about uh, when you married Nadia. I think you were in uh, Bali, was it? Uh, the Philippines. The Philippines, right. You're yeah. in the Philippines. And you told me the story of... of uh, devotion and commitment. Devotion, like showing up to the, to the, to the wedding day and having cold feet and going, what, the, what, what is this? Why am I hesitating on the altar? Yes. What, well, what was the breakthrough in that moment for you? Well, I'd, I'd been a previously married once before. And so I, I suddenly got the, and I, and I didn't, I guess there was part of me that felt like I failed at it. You know, we argued a lot. And, and I, it, I finally, at a certain point, a few years into the marriage, I, I was not loyal. And I was carrying the shame um, of that choice. You know, it just really was wrecking me inside. And so when we were about to get married, I suddenly was faced with, the um, question, kind of the internal question of why am I doing this? It, it didn't really work the first time. I don't know that I believe in marriage. Mm. We have such a great relationship as it is right now. Mm. Is this going to change the dy dynamics such that it's going to ruin things? Mm. You know, and I could see that, well, her, her mother really wants us to get married. I really want to have children. And that's not going to happen until we get married. Um, you know, as, as, you know, announced by my wife and her, and her mother. And so I'm doing this for them, but where am I in this? You know, this is a, this is a serious thing. You know, it's, it's not just like buying a car where I can, you know, sell it or take it back. It's like, I'm, I'm getting married and I, I, I don't want to go through another divorce. So I have to look at this like, this is, this is, this is the one. And if so, that's a serious decision I'm about to make. And, and the lesson was that I had been spending all of my life trying to be in a committed relationship. And my relationship to commitment was kind of the old, the old ball and chain kind of thing. I needed to detach from that word because it carried the connotations that wasn't healthy. And what came in that moment, I put my feet in the warm sand of the, of this, the beach that we were getting married on, um, which was my mother's, uh, my, my wife's motherland. Um, was you're here to learn the difference between commitment and devotion. Mm. And at that time, devotion had only been a word that I, I really don't know that I had ever used it. It had yeah. been kind of like a religious term. And then I realized when I asked, what is that? What's the difference between being devoted and being committed? Uh, the answer was, was really simple and clear, and, and it shaped the rest of my life too, was um, I'd been trying to have a commitment to the, the, the other body. Mm. All of my girlfriends and wives have been incredibly beautiful. I was obsessed with a certain type of body. Mm. And the fragility of that choice, of course, that's not going to go away. We're attracted to what we're attracted yeah. to. But when that's the, the, the main thing, then you know that someday that's going to change. So yeah. already your relationship has an expiration date or at least a, a, a date that's going to bring challenge. And so being committed was was making a promise to another person. And that was also, that weakened it for me because when she broke a promise, 
the other body broke a promise. Mm. Then it gave me get mm. out of jail free card. Mm. I, then I, now I'm going to break a promise. Mm. We're playing tit for tat. Yeah. And as an athlete, it was kind of like to me, this is a game. You, you, you screwed up. I screw up. Mm. <laughs> and devotion was yeah. a vow that you make to the essence that inhabits the other body. And that was new to me. And I realized, you know, although my wife is incredibly gorgeous, I am in love with this essence, this energy that she, that she brings. And she looks at me. I'm not thinking about her great little body. I'm thinking about like, like it's powerful to be witnessed by this person. Yeah. Like it's beautiful. It feels like love. You know, it's yeah. like it's, it's really good. And that's the essence. And that's the thing that will be there way, you know, until we leave the bodies yeah. or maybe even beyond that. And so can I be in relationship with the beauty that my wife is, yeah. you know, so that we're not just in love with the identity because, you know, I've changed a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm not the hunky young man, my wife. Oh, married, you're, you're you still know? a hunk, I'm, man. You're still well, a beautiful I, man. <laughs> I, thank you. And, you know, it's like it's still. a lot of that charisma and things yeah. change. Yeah. And I don't mean that it goes bad, but it changes. And I've changed a lot. And, and, I'm, and I'm not what I used to be. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so we've allowed each other to age, to be with each other, and just to be in relationship with the, the beauty of our, whatever you want to call it, spirits, I guess. Yeah. yeah, you know, years ago, I mean, long before I met my fiance, I had this, this, this sweet notion, and there was this underlying um, excitement to grow old with someone and to watch her body change and to go through those experiences. That was one part of me. Then there was the other part of me that was like, hell no, I don't want that experience. I want, yeah. you know, 25 year old forever. Let's stay yeah. there. Yeah. That, that distinction com commitment versus devotion. You know, I think one of the things that I've really loved about knowing you, Mickey, is I feel so kindred spirit with you. I feel very much, you know, you're, you're a man a few years ahead of, of where I feel in my own developmental stage in life. And so it's been, you know, you, you, you met Nadia, uh, you were in relationship with her at a time when I was single and, and, and yearning for a, a woman. And, and, you know, you, there's so many lessons that you, you've shared with me, the devotion lesson. And also I remember you talking about, um, learning how to, uh, sort of transmute the energy of other women. You know, you had sisters and, and a gay brother. I had three sisters. So it was very familiar with me to know how to be sisterly with yeah. a, a, a woman. And yet, you know, that practice, learning that practice um, as an attractive man with, you know, with status, with all the things that, that a lot of women are very attracted to, good, kind heart, you know, strength, mm -hmm. all of that, knowing that, indulging in any of that is 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 going to be ruinous for your relationship anyway yeah you've given me a lot of lessons and and uh you know i, I again i so value you uh in 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 my life and your stories reverberate through my head and and not, she's still my fiance we're not married yet and we have that same my mom keeps asking when are you gonna get married well ma we have a season just not a year <laughs> we have a season, not a year. And, you know, I'm at that precipice of, I mean, this, this woman, she's extraordinary. I mean, you haven't met Sylvia. Hopefully no, you'll, you'll, you'll get to meet her soon. She's, she is extraordinary. She, she, she 
commands, not demands, but commands greatness out of me in ways that I wouldn't offer it otherwise. You know, I'm, 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 I'm there. I'm at that precipice as well. And so, mm-hmm. you know, your example and what you're saying to make your family, put your family first, save mm-hmm. that world. So again, I look to you and, and thank you for your example and, and what you do mm-hmm. and, and the joy that you that shines through in your videos with your boys and with Nadia. And it's such an inspiration. Mm. Thank you, Brian. So I want to ask you one last question, and then we're going to go to what I call the, the, the five key takeaways round. And I okay. got to come up with a better name for that, but <laughs> it'll leave off. <laughs> but what do you think then is the biggest challenge facing men today? And what wisdom can you offer in the face of it? Well, there's a lot facing men today. It's a wonderful and a dangerous time for men right now. And so we're, the wonderful part is that we are being forced to rethink everything we think and all of our ways of being. The dangerous part of it is the way that these lessons are being weaponized. And I'm a a big fan of the Me Too movement. I have my own Me Too story that I shared online. And I also realize, like anything else, the problem we face in our world is extremism. Mm. We might think that it's conservative or liberal or whatever. No, it's the extreme of those mm. parties that is, is the problem. And it's extremism in, in all ways. In anything we do that becomes extreme, besides sports, I love extreme sports, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, potentially becomes a problem. I mean, everything. Drugs, there's a, there's a level of, of drug experiment, of drug usage that can be medicinal and very, very powerful for the human body to engage in, to get past kind of the human blocks. There's healthy drugs. Then there's yeah. the ones that kill us. Yeah. There's healthy sex. There's conscious sex. And there's sex that is not healthy. By the way, do you remember what uh, Mr. Miyagi, what his core teaching was to Daniel's son? No, he's, I don't When he's remember. giving Daniel the, the yellow car, you know, to go yeah, take his yeah. woman out on the date. Balance. Daniel's oh, yes. Son. Balance. Balance. It's a big word. It's a really big word and a very, very critical word because it truly is. It really is about balance. And it's taken me years in my life to come into some, some form of, of balance and I still teeter from time to time. But I think that you know, the, the, the times that are honest right now as men, it's, it's time for us to step up. It's time for us to find that balance in the, the sensitive and the strong mm. and the, the authentic. You know, that's incredibly important that we, we stand in our powers and we don't just yield or default or resign to what we think we need to be. But we do stand in our powers and we, we listen better. Listening is another very, listen is a, is a very powerful word, you know, because it's one thing that we don't do on this planet enough of. And it's why we can't even communicate. Um, you coach relationships and I've been involved in a lot of situations where there's coaching taking place. And one of the greatest complaints that, you know, I've heard from couples is, you know, he doesn't hear me. Yeah. She doesn't hear me. Yeah. And and I think that has a lot to do with going back to a point that was made earlier. You know, when we get together with each other, this is one of the tricks, one of the things that uh, recipes that keep my relationship 
new and exciting with my wife. And it sincerely is. I mean, it's, it feels like we're dating. I still get excited when mm -hmm. I see her name pop up on my phone. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. And I actually never knew that that was possible. Mm -hmm. But it's the, the trick is to keep things clean between us. Mm -hmm. And because I, I, I used a metaphor earlier, I said, I said one brick in the wall of resentment. And that's very intentional dialogue because mm. we, you know, something happens and we just go, okay, I'll tolerate that. I'll put up with that one brick. Okay. Yeah. Boy, you screwed up there. Another brick until we're like, I, I used to be able to see you and used to be able to see me and we can't because we have this wall in front of us and we got to tear that shit down and we have to be with each other. So we have to be again, placing that value on, do you want a good relationship or you, you just want to be right? So let's get together and let's clear that stuff up. And it might, it, it, it often requires us to be in a situation of, of developing a, a, a safe dialogue where we can, we can say things like, I'm not getting what I need. Like that's a powerful statement to say to someone else and it can hurt. So we sometimes have to do a little groundwork around what it means before we even say it so we can hear it. Cause a lot of times we go into stories of, Oh, you're telling me I'm terrible. I'm well, no, that's not what we're saying. Don't go to the extreme. Extremism is the problem. I'm saying that I'm not getting my needs met here. And if my wife comes to me with that same thing, if I answer that and I do my best to make that adjustment in her life, that will decrease the possibilities that she'll start looking elsewhere to fulfill that. And same for me. And because we keep that work going between us, I'm always fulfilled in my relationship. And I don't find myself looking, looking elsewhere at all. Yeah, it's always fresh. It's always fresh. I mean, it really is. It's, it's really, you know, making time, making time to make love and not letting that become a mechanical thing. I, um, I started to say this a moment ago and I'll finish it. When we get together, we woo each other. We listen to each other. We laugh at each other's jokes. We're amazed by stories. You know, I highly recommend the men and the women listening out there to start doing that again. If you're in a relationship, mm. even if you've been there for years, You've heard their stories before, but as we evolve, those stories evolve. Sit down like you did when you first started to get to, get to know each other and ask them how they're doing and talk about those childhood stories again, those st whatever stories that you remember and see how they've evolved and how they relate to those stories now, you know, because it's, it's those beginning moments of a relationship that are so fulfilling for us because we have somebody's undying attention I remember when I first got together with Nadia and we were in a very busy, like, I think it was a Greek or Cuban restaurant, you know, 500 people around us and nobody was there. Mm. It was just like mm. us in a tunnel vision, looking at each other, speaking to each other. And I remember that moment so much that I recreate it from time to time. And she recreates it where we go. Why, why is that only when we're just getting to know each other? Because we're always getting to know each other. My wife's not who she was yesterday. And so I want to get to know who she is today. And that's what keeps it fresh. So uh, beautiful. So I'm hearing, I'm hearing it, the, like the bricks of resentment. And again, you can see that in politics, you certainly see it in our relationships. You can see it. I mean, it's in, in, in what's happening in politics is mirroring what's happening in the world at large. I mean, just wanting to build walls between borders, tell people to go home, all of you know, back to your country, all that stuff. You know, I don't like to use the words right or wrong. I like yeah. to use the words skillful and unskillful. And what's uh -huh. connecting and not connecting. 
And it really does come down to values. I mean, do we want to create a world and, and do we want to experience connection? And, and particularly, we just start in our relationships. Uh, uh, everything is relationships. Politics is relationships. Yeah. So thank you for that and listening. Well, we're going to go into the five key takeaways finale right now. Again, awesome. I got to come up with a better name for that. <laughs> if you have a suggestion, I'm open. Um, but the point of this is... We've just had a really rich discussion, and I want to make sure that men leave with actionable, practical um, insights, practices, tools, resources that they can begin to work with immediately in their lives. So five key takeaways. Here we go. Key insight. What's the one key insight that you would offer listeners that you believe can make a meaningful impact on their lives because it has in yours? Listening, being present, re-examining. It's kind of like the bicycle pedal, you know, like mm. re-examine everything that, I, that I've mm. been taught. Mm. Being willing to, which the, the more I do that, the more I realize how much I don't know. And the more I realize how much misinformation is out there, such that it keeps me humble to learning more. Being curious is a very um, beautiful quality. Mm. And we lose that when we get older because we, we, we tend to stay in the same cities. And, and so we've seen the environment. We've had so many in, interactions with people. We pretty much know people. And all that thrill of newness kind of goes away. And so maintaining that, that curiosity for life, I truly believe it's the fountain of youth. You know, to keep learning. My, my children have brought that back for me in a big way because, you know, now they want to know how everything works, how everything is built. So, you know, even using my profession as, as a teaching point, you know, now my boys are really into CGI. They mm. want to see before and after. What did it look like to see a movie? Mm. And they'll go, can we see what Avengers look like on the green screen, mm. Daddy? And so I'll, I'll, yeah. Goop, I'll, I'll search for that. We'll <laughs> yeah. look at it. So it's, it's, they're so curious to know how things happen. And it's reminded me, you know, that I was a curious child. So curious to want to know what, what made humans tick. And they brought that. They, they've invigorated that for me uh, again. So, so be curious, explore, be curious about, particularly about the things that you want to bring, bring and breathe life into. So if your relationship is important to you, be curious about your relationship, be curious about your mate, explore them because every time you do, you're putting your attention on them. Yeah. And attention is, is, is a very powerful thing to receive from another. I love that. It's, it's not even about finding the solution. Just being curious in itself yeah. is a profound solution to so many relationship challenges. Yes. Powerful. Thank you. You're welcome. Number two, key mentor. Name another man that you've been inspired by, living or dead, that you would recommend the men listening to learn more about. I, I wish I had something more unique uh, other than Jordan Peterson, because he, he's kind of like the it guy of the moment. Uh, but I am doing a deep study on him right now, a, a very deep study. And I think there's been a lot of misinformation passed around about him, too. I think there's a lot of um, groups that have misconstrued his message. And if they understood, uh, I really resonate with most of what he says because it really is about self-empowerment. And there are areas that people will accuse him of being insensitive to something. And it's not. It's... it's um, it's a refusal to buy into the victim mentality and the victim mentality, which has become a politicized 
leverage point, weaponized, is one thing that I would love for all the listeners to to deeply reevaluate. Because I've, I've experienced a lot in my life. I was at the World Trade Center, as you know, when it was attacked. I could be a victim of that. One year ago, we lost our home, studio, car, all of our business equipment, everything. We weren't properly insured. I could be a victim of that. When I was in my early 20s, my brother died of AIDS, and a month later, my mom died of cancer. I could be a victim of that. But as soon as we identify with victim mentality, we attract more of that, and we stay in that forever. And so I really appreciate his, his attempt to help people move beyond victim mentality and to help his, his, his listeners are 80% men, and that's okay. That's not sexist. It's men need it right now. Mm. So there, there's more support for women. Um, if you look at the statistics, there are, are just in the United States, there are thousands of support groups for women and about a dozen for men. And so, so it's okay to have that imbalance within his clientele because he speaks from a man's point of view, but also with a great deal of respect for women. And so I highly recommend people doing a really deep dive um, and being open because his, his subjects are very high level and they're controversial. Um, but I have to say that even some of the things that when I first heard, I rejected mm. kind of as a diehard kind of liberal loving person, I thought that's not compassionate enough mm. for me. Mm. And I've, I've realized, oh, like sometimes I may not look compassionate as a father. But compassion doesn't always look like compassion. And so I highly recommend um, the, everyone listening out there, women and men, to, to uh, listen to his talks and his debates because some of the people who debate him are also very brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Number three, key resource, your most impactful, inspiring book, movie, or podcast of the last year. This one. Thank you. Of course. <laughs> we're going to rock um, with this. I devour a lot of media and I have to part of my job is is um, hours a day researching and so I don't have one answer for you okay on that and um, and I wish I did but where, I don't, where, can, I, where can people find your your f films your work well the latest film that we released is coming out on Netflix in a couple of months and that's called weed the people w-e-e-d the people not okay. what you think it's about it's about saving kids with cancer using cannabis oil Okay. And a uh, very powerful movie that was produced by Ricky Lake and um, directed by Abby Epstein and produced by my producing partner, Soul Tryon. It just got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, got an amazing deal with Netflix, and, and so that comes out in a couple of months. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, two more questions. Uh, key investment. Key investment <laughs> in the last year. What's the best thing that you spent money on? And let's say less than $10,000. Roller skates for, for me and my wife. Yeah, Th that's, that's, um, the boys skate too, but they're on their scooters Uh huh. and about roller skates for me and my wife, because it's something I used to do when I was a teenager Yeah. and, and preteen little things. It's not about roller skates. It's about those things that we did as a child that we let mm. go of when we're older. Mm -hmm. And so my wife and I skate together and we hold hands. Mm. And I remember what a big deal that was when I was mm -hmm. 12 years old and I'd 
do a couple skate and we would hold hands you know <laughs> like know. that was like wow oh my god i held her hand top of the mountain yeah and yeah. so you know it's i i'm, I'm <laughs> grateful that we made that investment um yeah and that happened right after the fires we were like we have mm. nothing else what do we want to get wow and i'm like let's skate oh man i love that finally key practice Please offer one practice, whether spiritual, creative, personal, or relational, that has served you well and that you challenge the men listening to take on for just the next seven days. Having deep conversations, authentic, deep conversations. I think we all, and particularly men, women are much more inclined to talk about their feelings. But as men, we say hi to each other. How you doing, bro? Cool, man. Cool. It's different when you say, you know, like, let's stop for a minute. How you doing? Mm-hmm. What's going on in your world? And then you'll find your friends going, cool, no, I said cool, everything's fine. Like, wh- <laughs> yeah. wh- what, what isn't cool? Is there anything that's not yeah. working right now? Yeah. And it's amazing what happens. I, yeah. my, my directing partner on a film that we're finishing right now, he and I went to a shoot day before yesterday. I've known him for a long time, and, and we're always working together. So we're always in the mode of just work. And when we travel together, we're usually in a van filled with other crew members. This one was a small shoot where it was just he and I. And we started talking about, he was raised in Australia, and he told me things about him I never knew. And it was incredible just to go, let's avoid all the challenges, all the temptations, I should say, of going right back into the default conversations about business and what are we going to do with this film next and what are our deadlines and what should we all of that and let's just stay on the subject of what was your childhood like and how does that show up for you now in your life and and what's working and what's not working and is there any anything that i can support you with and just kind of renewing our vows to each other of you know like i want you to know that i'm here for you if, if you need anything beyond business, like screw all that stuff, because that stuff just goes away. Like, but as your as your brother, as your friend, I care about you. And uh, and so I challenge everyone out there to take moments, if it's with your parents, if it's with your children, your significant other, and tell them ahead of time. Say, can we have a conversation? I have nothing to say. It's not. I'm, I'm not. Don't worry. We're not breaking up. Yeah, nothing like that. <laughs> I actually right. want to sit down and and and. Yeah. And find out how you're really doing yeah. beyond the, you know, the facade of everything's yeah. cool. But, but like, is there anything you're, you're, you're working on right now that you could let me know and be aware of? Because something happens in those, those intimate dialogues that's, that's uh, mutually beneficial. Awesome. Thank you, Mickey. You're welcome. Um, I mean, I, I know that I am so nourished by this conversation, even though it's, you know, it's an interview format, but it's, it's a dialogue and I feel deeply nourished to be able to sit with you and, and, and explore these and, and share what comes up for me in turn here, what comes up for you. It's just fun. It's so much fun. And men, especially we men, we're, I believe that so, so many of us modern men are very lonely. And I believe that because I've been lonely Yeah, and it's so easy to isolate mm-hmm. and wow. To just take a moment to connect have a real conversation. It's so relaxing to the nervous system. So healthy. So thank you for that. Thank you. And and thank you for this whole conversation. Um, Where can 
people learn more about what you're up to? And Well, the, the best way really is through my Facebook. That's really the only form of social media that I engage with these days. And I've not been that active this year because a lot of our year has been about you know, rebuilding our lives and our business and finding a new home. So we're just now coming back into making videos with my family and with my wife. And I always share her videos too. So a way to get to know who she is, is, is through my page, uh, which is Mickey Willis, M-I-K-K-I-W-I-L-L-I-S on Facebook. And I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, please, please do. And I know my, my friend limit filled up a long time ago, but if you still click on there, it's you, you still end up following and being yeah. part of my friends there. And so I, I would love to engage with um, whoever's listening right now. Let me know that you heard the show. I'd love to hear feedback, you know, positive, negative, all of it's valuable. And, and, um, and just let me know that you're, you're there. So I get a sense of, of who you are so we can um, engage in an authentic way in the digital realm. And, and definitely go and click, I think you just click follow on your your social media page, Facebook page, yeah. because, you know, if you want to be inspired, it's like sunlight in your newsfeed. It just makes you feel good. It gives you hope. It shows you what's possible. I mean, here's a, a strong man who has a huge heart and raising two boys. His wife is amazing. Nadia is amazing. She's amazing. Thank you. She's fantastic. Yeah. yeah so just an inspiration to many. And Mickey, uh, you, you absolutely are an inspiration to me. Thank you so much for existing, for being in my consciousness, and for just saying yes to this. Thank you so much, Brian. I, I really, really appreciate the man that you are and the friend that you are. I look forward to growing and evolving many more years to come with you. Likewise, brother. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Men This Way. And thank you again to Mickey Willis. Go find Mickey and follow him on Facebook if you want to see the world through a clearer lens. Any links, resources, books, and Mickey's five key takeaways will be in the show notes at www.brianreeves.com slash podcast. Remember, it's Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash podcast. And if you can think of anyone who might be served by what you just heard, please share this episode with them now. And to help more men benefit, as well as the mothers, sisters, children, and lovers who love men benefit from this too, please, right now, go to whatever app you're using to hear my voice and rate this podcast with as many stars and glowing words as you can muster, so that you too can lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.